0: I was going to do an intro and then I forgot what I was going to do. We're just going to go with it. How's it going? Welcome back to the show.
1: <laughs> hey, Brody. How are you doing, bud?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Um, in case people didn't see the last time you are on, just give a brief introduction of who you are.
1: Um, so I'm Matt. I do the Linux cast on YouTube and other places, talking about Linux and open source and stuff like that. Um, nothing too special, you know, just the YouTube channel.
0: Mm. I did notice uh, recently you've been talking a bit about Fedora. Are you running Fedora right now?
1: I am. I'm. I've become a Fedora fanboy. I don't know when. I, I do know when it happened. It happened about a month and mm. maybe about six weeks ago. I guess now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I'm running Fedora. I've installed it on all my computers. I no longer have an Arch computer in the house.
0: Oh wow! What made you want to yeah. go over to Fedora?
1: Okay, so. I was running Arco for the longest time. That was my distro. And I got the bright idea to uninstall SDDM and start using Stardex to get into uh, my window managers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that went fine. But at the same time, I decided, you know, I never use Plasma. So I'm going to uninstall Plasma. And it turns out that Plasma has a lot of dependencies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you want in- Also, those dependencies usually are used by other things. So if you, when you uninstall things, needless to say, Arco broke. Like, it was bad. Yo. So I went through, like, a 24-hour period where I decided, you know, I'm just going to install Vanilla Arch. It had been a long time since I I had installed Vanilla Arch, just like the regular nerd-based way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I did that. And it worked fine but i was having some issues and i was like you know i'm just i'm just i'm just tired of this like yes i love the aur but i i just i think there's a moment in your linux career i guess is what you say where you just distro hopping no longer has the happiness that you used to have when you were first starting yeah that makes sense I, i needed to get D- work done. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I decided to find a distro that was just going to be stable, and Fedora was where I, where I d- ended up on, and I've been astonishingly happy. I mean, it's it's probably been the best Linux experience I've ever had. Well, why
0: Fedora, not like you know, you know, mo- most people for a longest time probably go with something like you know, Ubuntu. What specifically stuck out about Fedora?
1: Well, first, it wasn't really that was f- the Fedora had a lot going for it, it was mm. that i can't stand snaps like i cannot stand them i know a lot of people like them but
0: are just are there i didn't know those people existed
1: i think they all work for canonical <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm sure i'm sure because you know listen to some of the other you know much bigger podcasts and there's people on there like mm. oh yeah snaps are fantastic um i they're just so slow i mean flat packs really i mean i use a lot of flat packs now but And and Flatpak is not perfect, you know, not even close, right? But when comparing them to snaps, just just so slow and I have had so many problems with it. Plus, I'm always messing around with LSBLK, right? And to do that and you see those loopback devices just, they don't hurt anything. They just drive me Mm. nuts. Like, why are you messing with my partition schemes? Like, you're not really, but it just feels like it. You, you know?
0: can filter those out, I know. but I, know. I don't want to have to filter them out. Like, it just don't make them. Come up with a better system. Flat packs don't need them. I'm sure there's something you can do to not deal with
1: this. Right? It it, it boggles the. See, the thing is, is that I mean, we talk about this all the time. When we every YouTuber does a video, I mean, you have a video on snaps. I have a video on snaps. DT has a video. Everyone has a video on snaps, and we all talk about how you know, they're bad in certain places and stuff like that. But the thing is, is, like, these things were developed for enterprises, right? They mm. were not a consumer product, right? They were meant for people who use servers based on Ubuntu. You would think, given that that is true, mm. that they'd be better. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> you know? they're great for doing mass deployment. I'll give them that. Like, there are areas mm. where snaps are fairly good, uh, but it's not like they're the only thing that does that. I'm sure Canonical has some sort of goal in mind with Snaps, but I certainly don't know what it is.
1: Well, that and there... I mean, it seems pretty... I mean, we always have to keep in mind that the Linux desktop is so small that Canonical really don't care. Yeah. yeah. Right? When, when it, I mean, so... The... the The thing is, though, when it comes to the Linux desktop, Flatpaks feels like they have one, right? Mm. Every distro that's shipping something like that seems to be shipping with Flatpaks and not choosing snaps. And then there's the the Canonical guys, they're vehemently opposed to ever even considering shipping Flatpaks. Mm. But that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, Canonical has always been astonishingly stubborn with the stuff that they create. I mean, they do a Abandon things when they Mm -hmm. blatantly don't work, but as long as they work, they stick with them, right? Mm -hmm. So. I did
0: bring this up. uh, I didn't bring it up. I think the guest I had on a recent episode brought this up that the other thing that Flatpaks have going for them now is they have this massive hardware user base with the Steam Deck. The main way you're installing Mm -hmm. stuff on that is through Mm Flatpaks. And it's not going to have an effect like, you know, early on, but give it a year, give it two years. That's going to massively affect. Whether developers want to actually put something on Flathub or just make something a Flatpak, there might just, you know, there might be another Reaper that pops up at some point, but get something made as a Flatpak because if you have all of these existing users using them, it kind of makes sense to put your stuff there. Like, there's a reason why, even though a lot of devs don't like the Windows Store, for example, that a lot of software is on the Windows Store because a lot of people use it. So, as you sort of grow that potential user base it it becomes a lot more compelling of a selling point whereas with a uh, with a with with snaps the best you get from snaps is distros like mint saying we don't want anything to do with them
1: yeah uh, i mean we've already had examples of that like obs is You know, the prime example, like Mm -hmm. the official way to get OBS now is a flat pack. And it's only a matter of time before there's more and more like that. I mean, Microsoft tends to go towards the snap route right now Mm -hmm. with all their stuff. But that's just because Microsoft and Canonical have been partners for a long time. Eventually, you'd see them probably releasing flat packs alongside. And -hmm. then you're going to have companies, big companies like, you know, Google and stuff that any product, uh, Applications—they're going to release. They had released Flatpak, so you're right. That's definitely seems to be the way it's going to go. Especially like you said with the Steam Deck. Hmm.
0: Uh, one thing about—I um, didn't look too much into this, but there was one thing going on with FlatHub recently that I think is kind of neat. I'll send you a link to it. Uh, should be here. Yes, here we go. Um. So this group working with uh, or working on some changes on FlatHub to sort of. Make it easier to support uh, developers on FlatHub. The uh, the main takeaway is adding in a Stripe-powered donation system, so hmm. that if your your software is available on FlatHub, uh, you know there's a much easier way to have those donations coming through. Which, I some people when I saw this posted on Reddit, some people were sort of comparing this to like you know, how becoming something like the Windows Store, but I don't hate the idea of having an extra donation system available there if a developer, you know, wants to go and use it. Like, that seems like a good thing to me.
1: I think so too, as long as it's kind of like how GitHub does their stuff, where it's kind of, it's just there, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, if it's more like how like elementary OS does the app center or whatever it is where it says hey this is what it costs and you yeah, gotta yeah. just yes we can, you can zero it out but that kind of has always turned a lot yeah. of people away but as long as it's like there if there's like a giant uh like donate button on each of the page on flat that's perfectly fine for me
0: um uh, yeah I... there's a link on that, uh, that on that site to see it on the current beta version of the FlatHub website um and i think there are some popular tools... Oculus? Is ha- yeah, Oculus. Oculus has a big donate button, like, next to the install button. So you can, like, you know, just go and send some money through if you feel like it's a cool project. I think that's the the better way to do it. I, I completely agree that... I think if you're going to have, like, a, an implied payment screen, like mm. Elementary does, it should start at zero rather than coming down from a existing price.
1: I mean, I, I can understand why Elementary does it that way. Mm. but Or at least why they started to do that way. I don't understand why they've continued to go that way. Because obviously, mm. I mean, they've had so many problems making money, that, it, it, I mean, they're basically not even around anymore, right? They've had problems with their developers splitting and stuff like that. But the thing is, like, it obviously is not the way... I mean, I don't... I know very few people have said, you know what, I'm just going to give them money to download their their ISO. Mm
2: -hmm. I
1: mean, some people will, but the vast majority of people, I know I've always just, I mean, I'm never going, very rarely will I give a developer money before I've ever tried their product, Mm -hmm. especially when it's free and open source. If I've used it for a long time, then yeah, I'll go support them on Patreon or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I think most people seem to be, like, especially if there's an option for free, that's the way most people are going to go, right? Uh, we were talking about Flathub. Mm-hmm. One of the things, I, I don't know if they're working on this or not, but something that they should work on is reviews on, the, on flathub.org. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know Flathub, I know product reviews are notoriously horrible, but some kind of rating system or something to filter out what's good and what's not would be, I think, really useful. Um, and pretty much all the stores, I mean, just actual native stores have that. But... It the problem, that,
0: yeah. the problem you have with a rating system or a review system is you then need moderation, because yeah. you can't just have it, you can't just have it like floating out there. Because I don't know, let's just say, someone doesn't like uh, Ocula, for example. It would be very easy to send, you know, a couple hundred people over there to give it a one star and then give it bad reviews and make it seem like it's a really bad project.
1: Or the opposite way around when you have a, like yeah. a distro watch MX Linux kind of thing. Mm. Right?
0: <laughs> well, um, MX Linux is based on page hits. I right. think it's. I think the MX Linux <laughs> thing is actually kind of interesting because it's sort of a self fulfilling prophecy that it's always going to be at the top now because it got to the top from you know page hit manipulation. But then everyone clicks on it continually because they don't know why it's at the top. They're like, I've never heard of this distro. Why is this the most popular distro? So it then just yeah. keeps feeding back into itself and makes sure it always stays there.
1: Well, and then obviously they're not going to do a reset for the the, the count. So mm. yeah, it's just definitely going to... The thing the Thing always is weird about that is like MX is a good distro. Mm-hmm. and they But they have the reputation for gaming the system when Mm -hmm. it comes to distro. but I mean, not that anybody really takes... I mean, if anybody really takes distro watch in their rankings seriously, then they have other issues. I mean... (laughs)
0: I've I've given distro watch shit in the past. I think as a distro news aggregation site, it does a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. I want to make that very clear. Distro watch, if you care about, I don't know, whatever random distro is doing, whatever, great place for that. But you shouldn't use it as like a a credible site for like which distros are popular. So right now, uh MX Linux is at the top, second to oh, and sorry, it's second to. Endeavor OS is second, Mint is third, Manjaro is fourth, PopWest is fifth, Ubuntu, Fedora, Debian Garuda, and then OpenSUSE. I think some of those sort of sort of make sense to be that high, but like MX Linux.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we can like so Manjaro, Pop OS, Ubuntu, Fedora, and Debian. Those make sense. Uh, maybe, maybe OpenSUSE. But uh, do you know anybody who actually runs OpenSUSE? I mean, very few, pe- very few people run it as a like a desktop. Yeah, distro. I, I mean,
0: I think the only people who care about OpenSUSE are the sort of people who also care about like Red Hat Enterprise Linux. It's. Yeah business use cases that really care about them. That's totally fine, but DistroWatch is the site that you'd be going to generally f- for desktop stuff. If you're in yeah. a in a corporate setting, you're not really looking for distros in this sort of way.
1: So what this means is that somewhere out there, people are interested in OpenSUSE enough that they're clicking on the link to go to the DistroWatch page for that mm. distro, which is surprising because, I mean... It's not a pop. I mean, we, we say it's not a popular distro, but it's not a popular in this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I would, I would love. Why isn't DistroWatch Watch open source? I mean, maybe it is open source. Is there, is there like source code I, on how I they can- calculate this stuff? I, I, like, I've never really looked into it. I mean,
0: um, there's a article here. Wait, is there a page here about how they calculate it? Um,
1: it's linked to at the top, I think. Um, um, the DistroWatch page bo- hit
0: ranking statistics have attracted plenty of attention and feedback over the years. Originally, each distribution-specific page was pure HTML with a third-party counter at the bottom to monitor interest of visitors. Uh, in 2004, the site switched from publicly viewable third-party counters to internal counters. This was prompted by a continuous ab- abuse of counters by a handful of undisciplined individuals who had confused DistroWatch with a poll station. The counters are no longer displayed on the individual distribution pages, but all visits are logged, only one hit per day uh, only one hit per IP address per day is counted. So it's basically just a counter of visits per day.
1: Well That brings up even more questions. Like then that means that MX Linux got there legitimately, because or at least they've come up with some way of generating new IP addresses, I guess. If they were going to... You know, or if somebody was going to game the system. VPN. Um, I don't
0: know. It's very yeah. easy to change your IP with a VPN.
1: But I mean, that's still... I mean, they would take... This podcast is brought to you by of... on VPN. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it could, what's the shark one that I always see on some... Uh, it doesn't matter. We don't, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's there's just 900 of them, and none of them are very good. The, the thing I was thinking is though, is that even if it is that easy, it still took effort to do mm. and i mean it seems like it seems like that the effort that you could spend i mean it'd be different if like mx was really bad mm-hmm. but it's not it's they got some fantastic tools
0: honestly, I have um, no idea what mx linux even is
1: <laughs> it's based on debian runs uh sysV net as the um init system uh and it ha- i mean it has a SystemD uh, de- uh, system d like alternative but Mm. It's, re- it's really good they have some really cool um dedicated tools that they've created to kind of do the things that you'd expect to be able to do with like system d so things like create cron jobs and edit your bash config and, and just a whole bunch of different stuff so they have they have a thing called the snapshot tool where you can create a iso of your currently installed system and then reinstall it on all of your computers so there's wow. tools like that it's like goods yeah it's good stuff um which is always you know like if they if they did do this thing where they game the system, why did they do that? I don't I don't I don't know. And I don't know, they did, I don't
0: know if they did it or just someone else did it. I I don't actually know how yeah. they got to the top. But what I do know is it is not there, like it's not there legitimately. Like there is no possible way that a distro that no one's heard of is at the top of distro watch completely organically.
1: Right. Well, I, I mean, we know it's it's a Ubuntu. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's well, been yeah, a boom, no, Ubuntu.
0: I, well, the question there is, is anyone checking Ubuntu on distro? Like, this is the other thing. Are page hits... Mm-hmm. Page hits aren't really a great way to rank a distro, because... Who's going to distro watch to look at Ubuntu? Everyone right. sort of knows that Ubuntu already exists.
1: You, can go to, you go to a distro watch to find random distros to make youtube videos about that's which <laughs> that's what you go to distro watch for because yeah, there's this gigantic random distribution on there that gives you video ideas mm. <laughs> um but yeah you're right nobody would go to i mean for the popular distros why would you i mean because you already know i mean Mm-mm. it's not as if it's going to give you any information that you don't
0: Mm-mm. have which kind of yeah. surprised me that like um like pop West and stuff were on there as well uh wait here we go what was on let me just check what was on the list again. I forgot what I already said. <laughs> <coughs> um Here we go. Oh, that's the wrong page. Back to the home page. Here we go. Uh MX, Linux, Endeavour OS, Mint, Manjaro, Pop OS, Ubuntu, Fedora, Debian, Garuda, and OpenSUSE. I don't know what who's going there to look at Debian. Oh no, Ubuntu was on the list. It's just in 6th right.
1: Sixth place. Yeah, and mm. I mean, I guess a lot of people are interested in Pop! OS and maybe they don't know what it is, but mm. maybe that's the reason why it's, a he- it's in the place it is, but that doesn't explain the ones that are above it, you know? <laughs> like, it seems like the ones that would be least likely to be searched for on DistroWatch would be like Mint and Ubuntu and Debian and Fedora. Those mm. are the ones that nobody, and why would you need to, because I mean... I mean, well, you're like, I don't know about Mint Mint.
0: There was a time when Mint was like sort of considered the default beginner distro, but it's kind of shifted from that because for a while a lot of people were considering um, Manjaro, uh, which probably wasn't the best of best of strategies considering <laughs> how that project's yeah. been going. But
1: uh, yeah, do you think that the reason why Mint now feels like that is because they've been so static and like they're, it feels like there's such a slow innovation update process. Well, yeah, Mint just, I mean...
0: Mint's not an exciting distro. Like Mint Mint is a it it's Mint. Like you know what you're getting with Mint, and that's great. But it's just not that like cool and exciting. Try out Linux, have fun, especially with the um with the growth that Linux gaming has had. There's been a shift away from the Really slow release cycle that Ubuntu and Ubuntu based distros have.
1: Yeah, it's definitely. It's. Plus, it's always seemed with Mint that they are a little bit too into their protesting of Ubuntu. You know, what I mean, like, like, like they hate snaps. They mm-hmm. hate. Basically, they hate everything except for, like, the core core of Ubuntu. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like it feels like everything that they've had to do over the course of the last few years has been to uh, undo everything that they get from basing themselves on Ubuntu, which Mm -hmm. has always made me wonder why they don't just make LMDE the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just as slow updating as Ubuntu is Mm -hmm. for the most part, because they they could base it on SID if they wanted to, if they wanted to be more, you know... Fast updating, mm-hmm. but they don't. The um, they could. I don't know. It's just it. It's mint has always been a very confusing distro to me because they have like two directions that they want to do. Like they have a mm-hmm. back. They have a they have a literal backup plan for for their distro, which I mean I suppose is a okay. good thing. But if it, it just it feels like they're uh, diverting assets from where they should. I mean they should just choose one. Mm-hmm. Like choose. Choose one, and uh, the obvious choice there is the LMD because they obviously can't stand Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, some of the. I mean, you've probably read some of the blog posts. The what is his name? Clem? Clem? I can't remember his name. the The, the, the head guy. He writes these these blog posts, and you can just hear the <laughs> hatred of Ubuntu sometimes in his in his tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so LMD LMD is obviously their choice, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I would still recommend Mint to a lot of people mm-hmm. the cin- Mint may not be great but Cinnamon is really nice for people who are coming from Windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course Zorin too. Zor- Zorin has the Zorin is also based on Ubuntu and has more customization I guess, but I don't know. Ubuntu is just I don't know. It, there there's so many ish- ish- issues with Ubuntu based distros but and there's so many of them.
0: There is. There will never be there will never be enough Ubuntu-based distros. There will always be more, and they will always do the exact same thing. Like a lot of the <laughs> I I I know that like Kubuntu and Zubuntu and Lubuntu are like they are separate projects that are doing technically slightly different things. But a lot of these big Ubuntu flavors, as you might call them, they are Pretty much just install options that don't really have any any reason to exist as a separate thing. I get like Mint and I get Zor and things like that. they're trying to like actually be different to Ubuntu, but when your difference pretty much boils down to it's not KDE, it's GNOME. It's not K- it's not G- up uh, Sorry, it's not GNOME. It's KDE. It's not KDE. It's uh I don't know XSC things like that. It feels really weird that it's a whole separate project.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I think that the reason why they've done it that way is because. Well, Kunloka was no interested
0: just... in anything outside of Gnome.
1: Right, they were never going to do anything else other than. What they wanted to do, they were never mm. going to be like Garuda or Manjaro or something like that, where they offer mm. multiple ISOs of different desktop environments and window managers and all that stuff. There was that was never going to be something that mm. because, like we said, like I said earlier, Canonical just they don't care. <laughs> like at one time they cared about the desktop. Now it it's blatantly obvious that they do not.
2: Mm. And
1: <laughs> by having the flavors, which I mean they've had they've had flavors forever, mm. so this wasn't. Uh, this didn't play into the decision, but now it really helps them because it allows the flavors to care about those things. So, like, Kubuntu can keep up with all the KDE nonsense, and Canonical doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, mm. Xfce can go on being Xfce, as Xfce has always been, and nobody cares. You know, um, LMDE can transfer into LXCUTE. And Canonical doesn't have to worry about it. It's just a couple guys who are maintaining that you know flavor.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: they've, they've taken the responsibility that they were never going to have anyways because they were never going to do it and push it onto the flavors. Yeah. And that can make people happy. And people are still technically using Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast with um, Martin Wimpress and he was talking about the usage of like uh, Ubuntu Mate. And even though like you, you probably think that... like between the flavors, Mate and Kubuntu are probably the most popular ones, you'd think. But he, he, mm. I don't remember, the, he didn't, I don't think he ever gave the exact numbers, but he said that even at its height, Ubuntu Mate was such a small portion of what Ubuntu is that it, it never really registered on the scale. Right, which, right, right. I mean, because most people, they're just going to download Ubuntu. Um, which, I mean, makes me a little sad because Ubuntu kind of, Sucks. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I miss the Unity days. I, I really do. Like, it made it feel like they were something different. Now they just Gnome, but mm. with a Unity skin. It's like a. You remember Android way back when Samsung hated what Google was doing in yep. every, like they had to put all the. There was at one point. They had that like weird like water sound every time you touched the screen. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, like uh, that's basically what Ubuntu has become. Like they, they use they use quote unquote GNOME, but they put mm-hmm. so much stuff in it to try to make it better than you know. I don't know. It's 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 sad.
0: Well, <laughs> I don't know it's so, That's it, why I use Fedora. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's kind of weird what what ubuntu did with with unit oh uh, with um with gnome sorry because they took over basically they took over the unity project and a lot of people weren't really happy about it and just left the project and then when they were done with it they just like sort of threw it away and it just it left it to rot basically it's been picked up now by um sorry i forgot the dev's name uh Really young dude who's really fucking bright. He's probably going to be, like, a major figure in the post space as he gets older. And then they went over to Gnome, and it didn't have that same problem. Because Gnome has this, like, massive, established, like, audience of developers. And there was no shot that they were going to leave. Because they already had, sort of, that, I guess, established install base everywhere as well. So Ubuntu can come, Canonical can come in do their thing, make the changes they want to change, and it just sort of keeps going smoothly without the same um, troubles they had in the past.
1: Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Gnome is like the immovable yeah. object. <laughs> they are going to do what they're going to do mm-hmm. no matter who's trying to tell them to do otherwise. Now, um, all that being said, like I think that... Probably uh, maybe four years ago, I wouldn't mm. have said this, but I think that in the grand scheme of things, Ubuntu choosing GNOME was a good idea, or at least it was good mm. for GNOME because you can tell, you can see the influence that Canonical and their developers have had on upstream vanilla GNOME. Like, mm. there's way, I mean, I, I feel dirty saying this, but there's way more customization in vanilla gnome now Mm -hmm. than there was two and a half years ago Mm -hmm. like way more like two and a half years ago two and a half years ago three years ago whatever they weren't adding any features they were pulling things out so they were you know they pull out icons on the desktop they pull out the the tray icons at the top like one thing after another i mean it was like you couldn't go a few months without hearing something that the gnome guys were pulling out of their desktop because it was so slow like it was astonishingly slow because they had these horrible animations that hey, took like.
0: Hey, don't hate on the horrible animations.
1: They... Well, oh, okay, they were cool if you wanted to wait five seconds for your app drawer to open. It was fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Like it it, it, it,
1: it, was. I mean, they've. It's way better now, right? Mm-hmm. The the thing is, like, they were in this position where it looked like Gnome was dying. Like a lot of people chose, a lot of distros chose Gnome, but mm-hmm. the. They had so many issues that they were trying to desperately. It was like they were, they were, They had the bucket pulling out water of their boat that was sinking, you mm-hmm. know. And it, and all those were features that they had to throw out because it was so bloated. Like Nautilus was, not, like Nautilus was the thing. Like the whole GNOME shell was based on and tied into Nautilus and stuff, and that caused all sorts of problems. And you can tell now, and I hate to give Canonical all, all the credit because I, I, I'm sure that it was a very much of a, a team effort, right? Mm-hmm. But it feels like they that Canonical has had a lot of influence, at least more influence than I would have thought that they would have had on the GNOME developers. Mm-hmm. And that now things are a lot faster. You know, they have their, you know, they have accent colors and they have a dark mode, and they finally fixed those horrible brown icons that they had forever. That nobody in their right mind would ever like. You know? They one thing after another. I mean it, I like it feels them. you <laughs> Alright, you wanna Friendship over. This just horrible. <laughs> you know,
0: I've gone back and used like the first version like literally the first version of Ubuntu. And you know, there's something charming about the disgusting brown icons.
1: They're not good. But there's something charming about them. If you knew nothing else, then they would be good. Sure. Like if you've never seen if you've ne- if you'd never seen an icon before, then and it had nothing to compare it to. It, <laughs> yes, and maybe enough. maybe for nos- maybe for nostalgia, it'd be fine, but as a default icon set nowadays, oh, no, the, yeah. the, blue, the blue ones are way better now. Mm-hmm. And they've because of the to stuff they can do uh, accent colors and stuff like that. It's it's way better. Um and I I think that at least some of that has to be attributed to the fact that they're big, like, obviously Fedora doesn't make anything because that's them, mm-hmm. you know, it's basically, you know, very much a related project. But Canonical is this outside entity that said, you know, we're going to use your desktop environment, but we, it, as it is, it's basically unusable. You know, we, we, have to, <laughs> we have to do so much in order to actually make this thing work, which mm-hmm. begs the question. Why? I mean, at the time, like, now it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. right now it's fine, and they've done all, all the work is done, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, they've done all this work. But if they knew at the time that it was unusable, mm-hmm. which it was because they had to do all this stuff, why didn't they choose KD? Like, KD is the most customizable piece of crap you've ever seen in your life, right? It, it's buggy mm-hmm. as hell. Um, and... Overly complicated, so I'm assuming that the reason the answer to my question is because it would confuse the crap out of new users. Um, I, I, I can well, just imagine.
0: I I think that what are they, that what they wanted to do is continue that Unity experience. And yes, you you could probably turn KDE into like a Unity-like experience, but the difference between Gnome and Unity is a lot smaller than the difference between KDE and Unity.
1: Plus, with the support thing, like if you used KDE and mm. you made it into Unity, mm-hmm. and then uh, your enterprise person decided to change a setting in some place randomly mm-hmm. in the KDE settings panel, which is like, you, you, I mean, it's the KDE settings panel. <laughs> so, you know, you would have. I mean, it's not the desktop consumers that you'd have to worry about. the The enterprise, if they if mm-hmm. they messed that up, mm-hmm. you'd have to support that and. So even the KDE guys can't support KDE all that well. So the, the support, co- I mean, so it, I, I always ask myself, like, why didn't they choose KDE? Because it's the most customizable thing. It would have been way easier. They wouldn't mm-hmm. have had to put all this effort into making it look like Unity and uh, choose accent colors and stuff like that. But it really does answer itself. It's like KDE is to KDE. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's the reason why. It, but I don't know there have been moments since I started my YouTube channel where Mm -hmm. I have been very vocal in my hatred of Gnome. Like really, I mean, there have been some very harsh words said towards Gnome and it has nothing to do. I mean, a lot of people don't like Gnome because of their political stance. I don't Mm -hmm. give a rat's ass about any of that stuff. Right. Just the software stuff. I've come out and said that I can't stand Gnome. I don't understand why anyone uses it. Um, And over the last year or so i mean some of it has been i've just used it more often
2: mm-hmm.
1: but and, and it's never going to be my favorite like I'm, I'm not running it right now uh and i wouldn't although that's not actually true the computer behind me <laughs> has gnome on it as it's the <laughs> as the only thing it's just because i i, I, I don't know i haven't gotten it's around to change there. it but eventually yeah um it, cuz it's default right it's yeah. the one you download yeah fair uh, so but my view on GNOME has definitely changed mm-hmm. over the last year. And I, I, I some of it is just because there's more customization stuff now, but more of it is just because it's, it really has become the default desktop environment for Linux, which is, I mean, sad, I guess. I don't, I, well, whether I don't we're know talking, how to react
0: to it. Whether we're talking Ubuntu with... I don't know if you can really call what Ubuntu is running Gnome. It's sort of their own desktop environment at this point. Same with, like, Pop! OS. Like, mm-hmm. they're technically Gnome, but there's so much done to it that it's hard to call it that. But let's just say it is Gnome. Then you've got Fedora. And it's just like, all of these distros, which are generally considered the the, the mainstream Linux distros, all running Gnome. There are certainly mm-hmm. distros out there running KDE and, like, really popular distros, but when we're talking the main distros and what people from the outside see as Linux, I think you're absolutely right that Gnome is sort of seen as the Linux desktop. Whether that's a good thing or not sort of depends on how you feel about Gnome. I'm... I'm sort of... I don't really care. Like, that's the thing. i Gnome, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'll use it if it's there, and I sometimes pick it if I stream just to piss people off because they get very annoyed uh, that Gnome <laughs> exists.
1: But I'm still doing that the next time I stream. <laughs> I'm <stealing> that.
0: <laughs> if I was gonna use a desktop environment, I probably would use KDE, just because I like my focus is on my focus is on customization. I like to mess around with stuff, and yeah. Gnome. It has a plugin framework technically, but you know there'll be updates that come out that break features that people have demanded for years, like a um global uh, uh what's the thing global global context menus. menu yeah global menu yeah. that thing that macOS has.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, like Dash to Dock and Dash to Panel are like the two main extensions, right? Those mm-hmm. are the things that everyone downloads. Like if you if you're gonna use extensions, those are the two extensions you're probably gonna one one of the two you're gonna download, and those things are always broken. Like, every, like they're broken. Well, one of them's broken right now. Won't work. Um, I think I think that has to do with Wayland. I'm I don't really know. I didn't I didn't care enough to look into it. Uh, there was two directions for conversation in what you just said, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure which one to choose. But I think I'm gonna to go to the KDE route one mm. first. I when I first started using Linux, my first desktop environment was Budgie, but I didn't stick around for that for very long. I moved on to KDE, and I loved it because of KDE customization. Right? I'm a ricer. That's the thing that I'm that I'm known for. I I Mm. rice the crap out of um, out of my window managers. The thing that I do, and KDE lets you do all that stuff. Like like there's a setting for literally everything. Like if you want to change it, you can change it, and I loved that. But the thing is, and I know some people say that KDE has gotten way less buggy over the last year. I don't see it. Like, I just, I, I really, like I think a year ago, KDE was much more stable than it is now. Mm. And I don't know if it's just because it doesn't like me or what, but I have the KDE version. I have the KDE spin of Fedora. That's what I'm running right now. Mm-hmm. And it is the most buggy piece of software I've seen in my entire life. Uh, icons aren't showing up. The color schemes won't change. I'm getting errors every time I try to, to install a new... Uh, a new color scheme. Uh, anytime I try to change a different setting or something like that, something breaks. The last time, Kwin completely crashed, and like I don't, I don't understand. Like, Kwin has been around for a very long time at this point, it should not crash, you know. So, uh, like I said, I'm not sure if it's just the Fedora spin that's astonishingly buggy because I haven't, uh, but I, I remember like I had the KDE version, I installed. When the Arch Linux GUI was still around, Mm -hmm. I installed that, and that had a KDE version. And I was using that, and that was buggy, too. So it's not just on Fedora. So Mm -hmm. it's just... It's buggy. And how could it not be? Like, all they're doing is adding features. Like, I understand... uh, one thing you can't say about the KD developers is they're not trying hard to fix the bugs. Mm-hmm. Like they put a blog post out where they say, "Oh, well, these are all the bugs we fixed." Like you don't see anything. I mean, the the Gnome guys, you never hear a word from them when it comes to bugs. You would would swear that there was never a bug in Gnome ever. <laughs> but with KD, they're very open. Here are the bugs that we have. We're working on them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very refreshing. The the thing is, like you can't continually add new things to your software and not expect things to break mm-hmm. all the time. And when you're adding that many features, things are just going to break. I, I, I was talking about this on the last podcast that uh, Tyler and I did. Mm. We, 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 um, we were talking about KD, and it, it, it was like a child. I, I use the metaphor of a child who always gets whatever toy he wants, but never. Yeah. He plays with it for like five seconds and then puts it off in the corner and then never uses it again. That's KDE. They have all these features, like the very exciting features in every new version, and then they go off into the corner and never get touched again unless they cause some kind of phenomenal breakage. Mm-hmm. So there are pieces, parts of Plasma 5 now that have just not been touched in ages and ages because, I mean, you can only do so much with a certain amount of development work. Sure, sure. And what I, my suggestion was no new features for the next three years. None. Just fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, spend the next three years making it good because QT6 is maybe here, kinda, but There's one QT6
0: application I'm going to be running. It's OBS. I don't know anyone else who's using QT6. And I I was like, there were people in my comment section when I did a video on the new version of OBS and people were like, wow, this will be the first uh, first QT6 application I'm running. I wonder when KDE is going to get QT6.
1: It's like- it's going to be a while uh,
0: three years might be a a bit much, but I do agree that there are there comes a point where a project does need to have sort of a a feature freeze to work on the the base functionality like there's a looking at as many um open source projects I've seen there is a lot of projects out there where devs want to make really cool and really new shiny things and that's great because that's what Gets people excited about the project. But when your cool new shiny things are built on, like, a pile of logs that are, like, leaning up against each other, and the slightest bump will knock it over, that's a problem.
1: Yeah. Well, to take that metaphor even further, it's like, I I mean... Hard to say to bring up the devil in this podcast, but it's like Windows. You know, when <laughs> Windows has this legacy underpinning that has been there for thirty years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there are there are features there that not only are the logs leaning against logs, but some of those logs underneath are rotten. You know, and they they're falling apart. Mm-hmm. Now KDE is not that bad, but it, it's the same situation where they've kind of built upon over and over again uh, new stuff and mm-hmm. it's cool like the 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 idea behind KDE the ultimate customizable desktop environment mm-hmm. it's it's an amazing and ambitious goal and plan to have and i think they've even done a good job of giving that to people but you can't take it too far and it feels like they've taken it too far like just slow down like all, all you got to do is just Slow, and you're right. Three years is too, is too long. Like mm-hmm. three, but, but let's just say a year. Like, mm. just a year, no new features. We're, we're going to focus every release we have in the next year just on fixing bugs. It's mm. not sexy. It's not going to get us in the news. It's not going to beat GNOME. But we're not in a situation where KD is going to, quote-unquote, win. Mm-hmm. I like guess that's not... That, it, it, if it was ever a competition, GNOME is, has won. Like, I think there was
0: nothing. I, I think. Sorry, I've heard you off. I think there's certainly an area for that during the transition over to Wayland. Because Gnome is doing their, like, they're sort of, I guess, kind of being a walled garden. Is It's not, like, totally the case. It's not, like, full on Apple. But there are a lot of things, like XDG Shell, for example, um, where. Actually, was XDSL the example? Anyway, there are things like the debate over CSD or SSD, where GNOME's saying, no, it's going to be our way, whereas you have WR Roots, you have KDE that are trying to like make these open standards that other people can adopt. It's not like GNOME isn't doing any of that, but it seems like, at least from what I've seen, most of what Gnome's doing is focusing on the Gnome desktop rather than the Wayland desktop, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I mean, if we're being fair about it, KDE and pretty much everyone other than Gnome has always been very much more interested and open to working with mm. others than the Gnome guys ever have. Gnome... I mean, it has gotten better. Like, they have like, a, like, two, like two or three years ago, before the pandemic and stuff like that, they started working with, they had like a conference where they all got together and started working on apps together. But tr- historically, the GNOME guys are very much a, uh, a tight-knit group that don't really are, they're not really interested in input from other people. Mm. And that's just always been kind of the way. And it does hurt when that desktop environment is the most used
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like when apple gets rid of the floppy disk drive or gets rid of uh, all of the ports on their laptops or stuff. Mm-hmm. gets rid of the headphone jack you know um, they were the first one to do that they were courageous in doing that and now you can't buy a phone with a headphone jack right i mean it's really really hard yeah, and, you can, you know
0: yeah. mid-range phones i think some of them still do have headphone jacks i know that my one does but to be fair i bought this one like four years ago so like it could be worse by
1: now finding a high-end phone with it on Oh, is, high-end phone, hard, absolutely right? not yeah right and five years from now you wouldn't be surprised if i told you you can't buy a phone without oh it on, no absolutely not right? yeah right well the same thing could happen with gum because it is so well supported and well used if they choose a specific direction of doing something, they could have influence over what is chosen for the standard Mm Linux-wide. And I'm not sure if it's my previous hatred of GNOME, but I'm not sure I trust GNOME to make those types of decisions.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Because, I mean, we all agree that Wayland is going to be the feature. Eventually, I mean... Well, we agree. I don't know if
0: we all agree. There's a lot of people in my comment section who, who are like, X11 or death.
1: Yeah, I, al- I also got an email from someone saying that Risk 5 is the future. So, um, just, I mean, maybe 30, well, it's years the future, now,
0: but it's definitely not the present.
1: Well, well I mean, risk, risk is the future if you, I mean, consider ARM the future, because ARM is a Risk platform, but it's not Risk 5. Mm. But, I mean, that's the thing, right? The, it, it, it's all of it is a scenario where you just kind of like Wayland and Pipewire and all these things, like they're going to be the next thing. Yeah. There's going to be something after them, but we don't know what that is yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Wayland is the next thing. And we haven't quite figured out what that means yet Mm -hmm. because every distribution is doing something a little bit differently right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And, just to, for us to geek out a little bit, the place where it's kind of really scary is going to be with window managers. Because, mm. like, we have a couple of window managers. Like, we have Openbox, or it's called Waybox, I guess. Mm. So there's going to be... A, for, that's the Openbox alternative. We have Sway. Yep. Uh, there's, like, a DWM, like, uh, DWL thing, I yeah, think. yeah. Right? right? Those are the three that I know. I'm sure there are other smaller projects. But as of right now, the big window managers i mean quote-unquote big ones like you know i3 awesome Xmonad, those things i would well,
0: put, had, uh I would put, the so on the wayland side i would also put river on that list uh, i would. i would say river yeah. is way bigger than dwl which is basically from my understanding B- a bspwm
1: yeah D- well ds well the dwm wayland one is horrible i mean it's like yeah, yeah. Wow. really really bad well, um I don't I don't even yeah. know if it's still developed or not. So um the so but the thing is, is like so maybe, maybe maybe there's four right right now. Yeah yeah yeah. It's going to yeah. be very very interesting to see where the likes of like do we ever see like an official suckless Wayland uh thing from the suckless guys that's
0: that would be amazing. Do we ever see
1: that? I mean it, it'd be interesting because mm. right now we don't have Right now we don't have a Thing that everyone agrees on that is Wayland, right? We, mm-hmm. we have one way of doing Wayland, we have WL Roots, we have the, all this stuff that is slightly different and doesn't necessarily always work well together uh, and I'm not sure which direction a lot of these window managers are going to go. I mean, it's very interesting. Like, I3's got it made in the shade because someone went through and they made I3 yeah. into a, way- a Wayland thing, right? And so that's done. The I3 guys don't have to worry about it at all. Um, not, not that I think that like XMonad or the Suckless guys are actually worried about it, but it'd be interesting to kind of know what their thoughts are on what the future is. Because eventually, Xorg, not necessarily, is going to go away, but it's going to be so unpopular that people aren't going to want to use it anymore. Yeah, because it's you know either not being you know well maintained, which I mean it really isn't now anyways, or you know because it's just not in the it's not well used anymore, and eventually they're going to have to move on to the next thing. I would be very interesting to find out what the those guys are thinking about what their future of their window managers is going to be. Because I, I don't know, it's just going to be very interesting.
0: I think the main thing that can drop uh, X11 out of the general, I guess, Linux zeitgeist is once enough people have moved over, there will come a point where AMD and NVIDIA, I guess Intel as well, with the integrated graphics, decide to no longer make their GPU drivers work on X11.
1: Yeah, that's going to be... That'd be the place that...
3: And
0: then I, when the Mesa team also stops supporting it as well, you're going to... That's, that's going to be the actual death of the project.
1: It seems like that's going to be quite a long ways away. Right? Yeah. It, it feels more like we'll, we'd get to a point sooner than that, where the support for Wayland is just so good mm-hmm. that there's no reason not to do something yeah, with yeah. it, right? So, uh, I think we'll eventually get to the point where we can no longer use the excuse of uh, I use an NVIDIA card, so therefore I can't use Wayland." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, and we're like, a year and a half ago, t- two years ago, we wouldn't have, I mean, if you used an NVIDIA card, don't even touch it, don't even try. Like, like, you probably wouldn't even get it installed. I mean, we're, 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 we're at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, you can install it. You know, it's, it's maybe not there yet, but it's a hell of a lot further along than it was a couple of years ago. And now that NVIDIA seems to not hate open source <laughs> nearly as much as they used to, um, I mean, maybe we'll start seeing more. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's something we should talk about is the NVIDIA openings, open sourcing their blobs and stuff. So, I mean, everybody got really, really excited about that, right? Yeah, well, what? when they.
0: Uh, yeah, a lot of people got excited about it. Then it ended up just being open sourcing the kernel modules, which was a step, but it certainly wasn't the step that everyone was expecting. But then they didn't really open source it in like a sensible way either. They made the repo open source, but it wasn't going to be open source development.
1: Yeah, because they weren't going to track any of the commits or anything on... Yeah. On, yeah. Just trust NVIDIA to do open source, but not do it the open source way. Mm. <laughs> you want to like NVIDIA, I think because they have really good products, but yeah. they just... It's like nobody there uses Linux. Like they, They're they not quite sure what Linux is, so... Well, it, on the desktop or,
0: um, at least, data center aside, like, you know Nvidia does have a yeah. lot of use on on that or in uh like um like supercomputers and stuff like that like there is a place for Linux that Nvidia cares about, or crypto mining, for example. Nvidia yeah. definitely is a fan of that, but when it comes to the desktop, it seems like it seems like they don't really know what the desktop is or what's really happening there.
1: I would be very interested to know why they decided to open source what they did. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily why, but why now?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: there were there, there, and I've seen some YouTube videos about this, like people talking about whether or not it was because of the Steam Deck or some other thing. Because, I mean, I, I, I mean, I would like to say yeah, point at the Steam Deck. That's the reason why Nvidia all of a sudden cares. Because um, I mean, the, N- the NVIDIA stuff is—I mean, especially like their their software for Linux has been bad for you know ever, um, and now all of a sudden they're—I mean, it, I mean, I hate to say that. Well, now they care about open source or Linux or whatever. Because I mean, they're still kind of half-assing it, but it's still half-assing is more than not doing anything at all. Sure, sure. But I—I'm not sure. I mean, we don't know how many. Steam decks have been sold mm-hmm. and you know, I'm I'm not sure that I, I have a feeling that the steam decks is going to be the thing that we point to as the reason for a lot of things that it maybe is not necessarily the thing that it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, associated with. I, I don't, I don't know. It'd be very interesting. One of the things that we're just never going to know the answer to of why they did it now. Mm-hmm. Cause there has, to, I mean, there has, has to be a reason why they did it now and not three years ago. Or, you know, three years from now. Well, I, I mean, can tell what you was... what they
0: would have gotten out of it. I just don't know why they cared at this, like at that time. Making your project open source is almost always good PR. Like, mm. that's what it is. Usually you also get free developers as well, but they're doing the weird development system. I guess they are still getting some dev work, but it's much harder to know what you can modify when there are parts of the project like i don't know if you've looked at the repo but there are parts of that project that aren't the linux code they're the windows code and you're not allowed to modify it in that repo
1: it feels it feels like somebody in a meeting's like yeah we should open source this and then they just give that one person the project but he's he's the guy that you don't really want doing that because he's <laughs> Like the guy who who has his attention somewhere else all mm-hmm. the time, like maybe he's playing like like in Avengers, that guy's playing Galaga, <laughs> you, know, you know. That's that guy, <laughs> you know. You don't want him running the ship, but mm. that's the guy you chose to do the work. Um, I I don't know. It's I wonder if there's going to. I mean. That news gave a lot of people a lot of hope that NVIDIA won't be the second-class citizen that it appears to have mm. been for the last little while on Linux, right? And when they announced that, I was very much like, just hold your horses just a little bit. They, first of all, th- there were like mainstream publications that were shouting, NVIDIA's open-source, their drivers. Like, no, they didn't. Not even a little bit. Like, like ev- everything that makes an NVIDIA card, you know, like... An NVIDIA card mm. is still proprietary. But, I mean, that's not surprising. That's the same way with AMD. Like, all their, all, most of their stuff is still proprietary. Too.
0: Yeah. People like so, to scream from the rooftops about how great AMD is, but we need to remember that they're, um, they're, what, the workstation drivers, the, the ones that support R- OpenCL, that I'm forgetting the name of. Radeon? Is it, is it A- A- AMD A- Pro, something like that?
1: Yeah, AMD Pro, yep, that's the one. Yeah. Those
0: ones are proprietary. Uh AMD does not have a control panel on Linux, unlike NVIDIA. Nvidia has one. You can it may not be as good as the Windows one, but there is one there. AMD doesn't have one.
1: It has existed and it has existed for a long time, too. It's been yeah. around for ages.
0: Like AMD might generally have better support for their their like mainline consumer gaming GPU stuff, but Outside of that, AMD is just as bad as Nvidia at supporting Linux. I th-
1: I think that the reason why people think that AMD is so much better is because it just seems to work better. Well, yeah, out of the box, right? Like, there's just there has been so many problems with Nvidia stuff. I mean, to this day, I still can't use an Nvidia card without screen tearing. Like, and even all even the tricks where you, you know, there's like three ways you can get screen tearing on, on Linux. Everyone knows the tricks because you, everyone who cares about it has had to do them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even with those things, you, you, most of the time, you still can't fix screen tearing with NVIDIA cards. And that's, I mean, I, okay. In this day and age, screen tearing should not be a thing. Mm. On Linux, I don't care what graphics card you're using. Like that's like nice 1990s thing going on. Like if this was 99s, like yeah, sure, screen tearing, whatever. I mean, we're we're using uh five megahertz uh displays. It doesn't Mm. matter, you know. It's we're basically reading on e ink at this Mm. point. It doesn't matter. But in in this nowadays, it just it feels like there should not be screen tearing ever Mm. on 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 Linux. It just it feels that way. But there is Wayland. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know Wayland's the future. My thing is, I can Wayland hates my guts. Mm-hmm. Like, like it just, I cannot get. So Wayland for me is like whack a mole. I can, I can get it. The desktop running perfectly fine. Like I've tried Sway. Mm. I can get Sway running perfectly fine and use everything, just like I'd use i3. All yeah. of you know the scratch pads work. Everything works, right? And then I open OBS, and OBS is very, very finicky, for, at least for me, when it comes to Wayland. And e- that's even recently, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, then I will put some effort into getting OBS up and working. And, yeah. and OBS, I, I'll, I'll get the video camera working, and I'll get the transitions working and stuff like that. Uh, and then pipe wire will act up, and all of a sudden, my audio, just for whatever reason, I'm, they're counting this as a speaker. You know, my, my microphone is a speaker, like, I, no, I don't need that. So, so then I spend some time getting PipeWire working, where you, you get basically that uh, alternative to Jack, the um, the thing where you draw the arrows to the sources and stuff. I don't remember what it's called. So you get that thing, and you, you, you draw the sources where they're supposed to go and all that stuff. And then PipeWire is working, and then OBS breaks again because 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 reasons i mean you have no clue why all of a sudden now it won't do window capture even though it was working before mm-hmm. uh, now i think most of my problem with wayland and pipeware is going to be a skill level issue because i'm just not to the point where i know enough about it yet mm. but i think that that is it for a lot of people like we've been using xorg for so long and pulse audio for so long that yeah we give pulse audio a lot of shit but mm. it works like for the most part, yeah. you can you can you can plug in uh like i have a, a DAC amp on my desk right really mm. cheap twenty dollars from amazon i plugged it in it works you know what i mean i have uh the scarlet solo as my uh audio interface i plugged it in it works you know mm. it gets audio it has all the features i can monitor through it if i wanted to you know it worked fine and and that was on pulse audio which everybody says is terrible and it just it works really fine mm. uh and then you get to Wayland and using pipe wire, and it has gotten better. So, right now, I'm using pipe wire right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a year ago, I wouldn't have touched it. I mean, like, I, I, I wouldn't have touched it with a 10 foot pole. It was so, so bad, but it's gotten way better. Wayland, I, I think most of my problems with Wayland still. Are both skill level and my like I've had so many bad experiences with it in the mm-hmm. last year or so that I'm very touchy about trying it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you install it and then I mean, let's just say I decided I was going to try away from, and I ins- you know the, th- the thing is when you use a piece of software is re- that you have to use, like OBS. Mm-hmm. That thing has to work, right? So, like if, yes. if, you're gonna, if you're going to have a, a YouTube channel at all, OBS basically has to work. I mean, unless you're going to use like simple screen recorder or something like that, but most of that stuff isn't available on Wayland. So you have mm-hmm. to use OBS, because it's like basic... I mean, you can use you know, probably like, I don't know, FFmpeg or something. I don't know if you wanted
0: um, to. You is can't there use, a, else you can use? Uh, There is a... There are a couple of very little projects, like Gnome has a screen recorder, KDE has a screen recorder. There's probably one for WL Roots as well, but nothing nothing as extensive as what you would want, like OBS. FFmpeg MPEG right now doesn't. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but um, at some point it might, probably, if it doesn't
1: already. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so the thing is, like with OBS... When you get a, when you open up your computer or you get on your computer to make a video. Mm-hmm. You want that I mean if OBS is broken or messing messing up it ruins everything. Yeah, Like it ruins your entire day, right? <laughs> and and beca- because the the time you were spent to do your video is going to be time spent doing the stuff in OBS to get it to work again. And the thing about OBS is that it breaks often enough in Xorg. Mm.
2: Like
1: it like you know, either your transforms are gone, or your audio is all messed up, or you know, your filters are all gone, or your mm-hmm. your LUTs are all gone. I mean, it's always messing up in X and it just feels like adding the Wayland stuff on top of that, it just makes it even more problems to deal with. And I'm not in a mental space right now where I want to deal with that. And yeah. the thing is, is I'm not sure when that position is going to happen. And that's why we, our conversation earlier when we were saying like it's the future. That future is very scary for me, because,
0: because well,
1: I'm going to be one of those guys who uses Xorg probably until it's dead. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling. Well, I, I've
0: made it very clear. Wayland is the future, but it's definitely not the present. There will come a point where, maybe five, ten years from now, that Wayland. So for for a lot of people, Wayland is good enough, but there is still a lot of those edge cases where Xorg is just better, and until. Maybe, I want to say... Was it a year ago? Wayland was completely unusable for me because it didn't support OBS. You just couldn't use it. But then, as Pipewire has evolved as well, that's sort of... A lot of the problems on Wayland are being addressed by Pipewire and by XDG portals. So these things are sort of feeding into each other. So as they are slowly improving over time, it's getting to that point where you can reasonably use it. Like... I I've actually fully agree with you on Pipewire. So right now I'm running Pipewire. A year ago I tried to use it as well and it was good. And then they pushed a regression and the project completely broke. So they changed the way that um that audio was being handled. So inside of OBS, if I changed my master volume, it would actually change the like the capture level. So rather than have it, like rather than relying on the individual levels of the program, so if I was like you know capturing a game for example, I want to be able to change my audio level that I hear through my earphones separately from the audio that is being captured inside of OBS, and that just completely broke. So like I can't use this. This is not usable. Eventually, I went back to it, and since then it's been entirely rock solid. I think this sort of goes back to the the KDE problem from earlier. Rather than adding in a lot of new shiny features, work on those fundamentals and make them rock solid.
1: Pipewire confuses the crap out of me. So in the old days, Mm. you know, which is like yesterday, you know, uh, XORG handled stuff that was put on your screen. That's what XORG does. And Pulse Audio was your audio server. It it puts your audio thing. But Pipewire is not that. P- mm-hmm. Pipewire does put audio out to your peripherals, but it also deals with stuff that's on screen. Uh, and I think that, that most people, like you said, not going to care because most people, like my dad uses Ubuntu on his laptop. Oh, wow. He doesn't give a crap. Yeah, he, he doesn't care what he uses. He just wants to use Chrome. Like he, lives in a, he lives in Chrome. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what operating system he uses. And so he's using Wayland all the time. He doesn't know what, he doesn't know that, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be most people's, you know, experience with Wayland, and because Ubuntu and now Fedora, and uh, eventually every distribution is going to be shipping their default desktop environment with Wayland. You know, yeah. whether they use KDE or GNOME, it doesn't matter. It's going to be the default thing very, very soon, and it already is for basically everybody, mm. right? Most people who don't make youtube videos and don't never have never used obs in their lives they don't care as long as it works and will play a youtube video Mm. well will allow you to put output to your headphones that's going to be perfectly fine for them so in that case wayland and pipewire which ubuntu is going to be shipping with by default in the next release right it's going to be fine for vast majority of people it's when you do extra things like yes. when you record your screen or you have extra peripherals like an audio, you know, audio, uh, a mixer or something, you know. It's when you have those things that it adds that added co- complexity that, I mean, like you said with your example with uh, Pipeware last year, mm. I still have the feeling that Pipeware is in a situation where that could still happen. You know? Sure. Well, it, it feels right now like it's very stable, mm-hmm. but I'm, there's always this worrying thing in the back of my head that they're going to come out with a update that just breaks everything, and I'm going, going to be screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that is because it is very new, and some of it is that it, I don't. If I don't. <laughs> this is probably just my own. Uh, sense of the project, but it feels like they're trying to do so much. It, like it feels like anything that Wayland can't handle yet. Mm-hmm. Pipe wires, you know, being given that responsibility. That and so, like,
0: XDG portals. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't want to talk about XDG portals. I hate those damn things. <laughs> um. The the the. the Gano- All right. So they the XDG portal. The only experience I have with XDG portals mm-hmm. is. The, um, like the file pickers and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the GNOME file picker that mm-hmm. is included with the, the XDG portal, dash GNOME, whatever it is in Fedora, is the most broken piece of thing outside of KDE. Mm-hmm. It is astonishingly broken. Like, I, I don't understand how you can have a, a file picker in this day and age and not... It, it, all it does is it opens up a dialog box and lets you choose a file, right? Sure. Uh, but it's broken. <laughs> like, it doesn't work. And it, it's the same thing for the save dialogue. Like, if you, you want to name a file with the XD, with the GNOME version of the XDG portal, it, the... Like, you start typing in the name of the file that you want to save, it opens up search.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, so you can't actually name it. You have to type your name in the search box, cut and paste it out of there, and then paste it back into the, the name uh, text box. <laughs> it's n- absolutely nuts. Like, so... Um, there, were, there were solutions online for this mm-hmm. and they were all overly complicated so I was like, F, F this crap. I'm deleting it. Mm-hmm. Like, I deleted the XTG dash gnome and installed the KDE version. I was like, <laughs> that way I can just use the QT ver- version of the file pickers and save dialogues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just as bad, but not broken. So, um, that's my only experience with it so far and, and that's the reason why I didn't, you know, just, I don't know. if. It, it's a good idea, and when it comes like, it, it's a good idea for other reasons like mm. the whale and stuff. But when it comes to like the the file pickers, like at least now with the way they're doing it, it's not like each application is built in their own thing, and everyone's doing their. Own, I mean, like, uh, and it's still that way because a lot of software developers just don't care. Like uh, GIMP still uses its own yeah. thing that they develop. Like um, uh, Firefox doesn't seem to. Like, there's there's have been certain situations on certain distributions where Firefox will switch between different ones on the same distro. So sometimes you'll get the GTK one. Sometimes you'll get the QT one. And it doesn't know what the hell it's doing. Um, so that whole situation, but at least now that they can use those things separately and it's kind of system-wide, that mm-hmm. makes a whole lot more sense than the way they used to do it. But I don't know. Um, Linux is broken.
0: <laughs> well, with the... um, You brought up Pipewire doing too much before. Originally PipeWire was just going to be called Pulse Video and it was going to be the video it was going to be like a um it was going to be used to handle like webcams things like that and then the project expanded over time and eventually sort of encompassed the entire audio side as well that's that's how that happened and I don't know I I kind of understand it being like that having a single thing managing your all of your media stuff, but when it's not being, like, okay, one thing that really annoys me with a lot of FOSS projects is I think a lot of them need to go back and listen to Linus Torvald at DebComp 2014. This talk is going to be forever relevant. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, People always post, like, questions from it, like, this is where Linus said, don't break the user space and things like that. I think a lot of projects need to take that like seriously to heart. If your project does something, and even if that thing is a bug, if the users start to rely on that, it goes from being a bug to being a feature. And you can't just change that and then expect that to just be entirely fine.
1: it's the whole putting the eggs in one basket thing, mm-hmm, right? It's mm-hmm. the, it's when the, 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 thi- the thing is, is that we got so reliant on X org and system D and pulse audio and stuff like that. When those, th- those things are things that have to work, mm-hmm. right? You, c- I, mean, I, I, there's, a, I think it's actually probably a good thing, at least from a, f- a stability standpoint, the X is not actively developed anymore because mm-hmm. you're not, adding a whole bunch of new features that could potentially break something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are... Eh, I'm, we're, this whole episode is going to be full of metaphors. It, it's like a car. There are certain things on a car that have to work, right? Your tires have to work. Your engine has to work. Your steering wheel has to work. The brakes have to work. Mm-hmm. Those things have to work. And they have to work not only well, but consistently, mm-hmm. right? They have to. When you press the, the brake pedal down, it has to do the same thing every single time. It's not... It's not a situation where you press it down and all of a sudden your car speeds up. If it did that, you're in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, something is broken. Uh, the thing with PipeWire and Wayland and stuff like that is when, when you start over again, and mm-hmm. you, that's basically what they've done: is they've started over again and started building these brand new stacks up. And these, and if you were talking about a web browser or you know, alternative to Discord or mm-hmm. you know, a file manager, whatever. Nobody cares if that thing gets broken by an update.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if Pipewire breaks, once Ubuntu switches to it full-time in the next release and the, uh, a, a update pushes and it breaks something, that breaks audio for millions of people.
3: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? And same thing with Wayland. When, when When something gets pushed out and it breaks something, it breaks a fundamental thing that has to work. Like, if your displays will no longer show you what's supposed to be there... That is an issue because mm. that's like your car not starting. It's just it, – you can't – the problem with starting over is you're going to basically be – so the the entire history of XORG – you made a video I about did, the history yes. of XORG recently, right? The, the entire history of that is them fixing stuff all the time. Like they've went through hurdles over and over and over again to fix things yeah, yeah. throughout the history. And that's basically the way all software works, right? Wayland and PipeWire, they're having to basically redo all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like every every hurdle, like whether it's like um, creating key bindings in in WL Roots, right? That thing, that's something that was solved 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they're having to basically solve all the problems which we've already solved. Mm -hmm. And when you have to solve new problems and you're trying to figure out, you know, how do do I solve the problem in a way that fits, fits well with this project? There's a good chance that you're going to break stuff. And, and that's fine when nobody uses your thing and and it's in development, it's like a beta or something, you know, whatever. Um, but the thing is Wayland and pipeware, not a beta anymore. Everyone's using it. So Mm -hmm. you can't treat everyone who uses Linux, the millions of people who do so you can't treat them as guinea pigs. You, you have to make sure that this thing is the most stable piece of software ever. And you can't do that. simultaneously with being a very new project that has to fix all of these problems that, you know, still need to be fixed. Like the, the key binding things is, is a big deal. Yeah. Right. So uh, it, it's one of the things you just, it feels like Wayland and pipe wire, despite how good they have gotten, just ha- have become the default too soon.
3: Mm. Like
1: Maybe like three or four years from now, when a lot of these problems were fixed would have made a lot more sense than if them being defaults right now, despite how good they are for normal people. You know, well, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me.
0: I think you'll need to remember that. So Pulse Audio came out. Oh, I lost my thing. There it go. Pulse Audio came out in 2004 and it was a buggy mess back then. And distros were mm-hmm. shipping it way too early. Like there's even, I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When Ubuntu shipped Pulse Audio as the default, Lennart Pottering, who made the project, said, Stop doing this. Like, this is not ready to be shipped. Like, describe Pulse Audio as the audio system that broke audio on Linux. Like, it was not ready. And Xorg, or, Xorg not as old, but it has a history stemming back, like, X11, 40 years. Like, both these projects are really old projects. And if we go back and look at, you know, Exorg in, for like the original version of Debian, for example, it was not going to be anywhere near as good as it is now. And it takes a long time to get to that point. I think that's, that's the, I do agree that we are sort of jumping onto Wayland a little bit too quickly. Obviously people need to be using it to be testing it
1: but right maybe, that's probably the thing that is the good part about it is yeah yeah that when a lot of people use it you're going to have a lot of uh interesting hardware scenarios and stuff like that that allow you to root out bugs a lot faster but i don't i don't know i don't
0: know whether that's the, the place of something like a to be doing that like that's a lot of people that are going to be exposed to potentially really buggy software
1: yeah, Fedora makes sense, right? Because that's the place where it's done. Mm. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's where, where System D appeared first and all this. stuff. I mean, it was the RHEL and stuff like that. But the, the thing is, is that Ubuntu is supposed to be this... It'd be like Debian mm. taking all this new stuff and being like the testing ground for it. Like it. It just doesn't quite make sense. And you have to think that the Canonical guys have a lot of faith in the Wayland and Pipeware teams to make sure that they don't break well, stuff. Because... I think they
0: just have a lot of faith in the Gnome team. I don't know if they have any faith in anyone else.
1: Yeah, and I am I don't know... It feels kind of like that... I I think that my most of my opinions about Wayland and Pipeware are colored based on the experiences I've had with them. Sure. And it's really hard for me to say that... I mean, maybe it's the cynic inside me, but it feels like we're headed for a disaster at some point where something is pushed out uh, that doesn't work on, say, uh, uh, a certain type of Intel processor or something, mm-hmm. or uh, a certain GPU or something It's just completely broken. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, it, it's not fine, <laughs> but it's going... It, like, like, it's it's broken, but we've suffered through that before. Mm-hmm. And we'll suffer through it again. And I don't want to be in the, I don't want to be the the old guy in the Linux community that says we should never push forward with new things. Because mm-hmm. if we stayed the same all the time, it would just be boring and stuff. We had nothing. We'd have nothing to talk about on our YouTube channels, right? Yeah. The, the, so I think at the end of the day, taking my uh, curmudgeon out of it, Wayland and PipeWire are good things and it's probably a good thing that we're switching to them now Mm -hmm. even if i still feel that it's too soon and we're going to have a lot of problems along the way Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but the the big the the problem here is is that 10 years ago when you wanted to push a new hardware or new piece of software like this out Mm -hmm. there were way fewer people using linux then like, way fewer, right? Um, now, if you pull up, push out a, a, pro, a, a thing like Pipeware to the masses, you're not only going to be pushing out to a lot more people who use desktop Linux, but also things like the Steam Deck, which have people who, they don't even know they're using Linux. They're just playing their games. And now, the thing is, is that I don't think, I mean, Valve is a very intelligent company. They're not going to push out a... a I, I, they're going to be far, far enough behind, it feels like, to catch those like problems before they would push them out to their devices. But maybe not. I mean, well, it, it's not unheard hurdle for bugs that's, to get passed through. Mm,
0: that's one of the benefits. Oh, like, I'll give shit to distros like a two, but one of the benefits they do have is that when something breaks, they don't experience that breakage for a long time.
1: And yeah, they are looking like ah, you arch fuckers. <laughs>
0: except for those cases, there have been cases where they've shipped like broken versions of browsers, for example, and then they stick with it for an entire year because that's. Oh, or they just,
1: bro- broke the- app images lately, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, that is one of the things you get from that, and uh, Steam Deck as well with uh with SteamOS, and I think in Valve's case, they're going to be very particular about what they ship out. So recently there was the change with the way glipsy gets built by default, and that was breaking every... Like, it was breaking all EAC games, it was breaking a bunch of other projects, and I actually don't know if the GlibC devs have... I'm going to check right now. I don't know if they've made the correct decision, but for anyone who doesn't know, basically uh, the GlibC devs made a change to the way that it's getting built by default, and it pretty much broke... Uh, every EAC game, and every distro decided, like, we just have to fix this downstream, because we just, we, we can't... You can't just break all... Like, you can't break all Linux games. It's just not a thing you can do. Um, but because they are so far behind on distros like Ubuntu, on distros like SteamOS, it's not really a a problem to, like, be concerned with for a while. And you can always ship a different version, and mess around with stuff, like, fork the project just that specific version, things like that, just to make sure everything is good. I don't know. I, there's definitely benefits that come from that system, but I, I, I personally like being on more up-to-date stuff.
1: Okay. Uh, anyway, to so answer what, what I
0: was saying, uh, they haven't confirmed whether they're going to fix it or not. They're still just like, eh, we'll see what's going to happen.
1: That's That's weird to me. I mean, it feels like, I mean... A lot of people rely on that software. Mm. (laughs) Like, like maybe you should be a little more reactive when you break, like, everything. (laughs) Like, if if you're going to break the world, at least, you know, don't go radio silent. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean it's like uh when, when these places get hacked or whatever like they lose millions upon millions of of accounts and stuff and credit cards and stuff
2: mm-hmm. the worst
1: thing you can do is not talk about it like if you if you just completely clam up like maybe if we don't talk about it it will go away yep. it's not going to go away um so yeah so i have a question for you what yes. is your opinion on um immutable distros what do you th- what do you think about that stuff?
0: I've been kind of getting interested in this topic recently. I, I I don't think it's something I would run on a regular desktop system. Like that's just not what I would want to do. With the exception of a, I was thinking that if I make a capture PC, I'm probably going to run something like Silverblue. just because it needs to run OBS, and that's pretty much it. And you know you can still flat pack. Um, right. I think it it opens up a a really interesting way to work with a distro. So, you sort of... The thing that I'm interested in is the, the shift of focus on where the customization is. Now, the tooling isn't there to make this easy, but you don't customize the distros like that once you've installed it. If you want to customize, you can actually make a custom image... And then go and install that. And there's actually projects like um uh what fuck, what was it called? F Is that it? That White, yeah. Yeah, Kinoite, whatever. Kino
1: White, user, whatever. I always
0: um, pronounce copy. the name wrong. Um yeah. and there's projects like uh there's I think it's like Marden Pitts workstation or something like that, or Pity workstation, where it takes an existing Fedora Silverloo installation and then replaces it with a new image that's this, like, Sway desktop with development tools, things like that. I think that is the most exciting thing from from my perspective. The idea where, rather than, you know, having to build up this distro and make this weird install script to install everything, you could generate an image and then just stick that image onto a new system and everything you want is just set up the way you want it. That's, that's super cool to me. I don't... I don't really care as much about the the immutable properties. My main focus is on the image side.
1: So I've used Kino White now on a hard drive for three months. Yes, and I think part of this is KDE's problem, mm-hmm. but it is the buggiest ever. And I, know I, I we've spent a lot of time trapping on KDE in this, but. You can tell that that project is very early stages, so the the silver blue is much more stable, and reliable than the KDE version of it. And the thing is, is that from from the immutable standpoint, I found it okay. Mm. I think one of the reasons why now that I'm on Fedora, that I've been using flat packs more and more is because of my time on Kinoite, because you install everything from a flat pack there unless you you know you can't. You know what I mean and then you does you install... I know Silverblue
0: supports overlay packages does kinoa support that as well
1: Well they you can basically install anything from the Fedora repos that you want as long as Okay yeah uh, as long as they're available to RPMO Austria or whatever it's called mm-hmm. Um there are certain things obviously that j- just won't work like if you're installing something th- basically anything that's going to affect the root file system. So anything that, like if you want to install like dmenu or something like that from the Fedora repos, uh, you can't do that because it puts it in OPT, right? And that Ah. is in the root directory, right? So um, you can obviously build that from scratch and put it in the home directory.config or whatever. It worked perfectly fine. But you can't do it from the the repos because all that stuff is put in OPT.
2: Mm, Um, And
1: that was where I, I never really ran... The thing is, is that when it come, came to a software perspective on Kinaway, I never really had a hard time getting the things that I wanted to use there. Right, Um. Right, right. Obviously, I was never going to, like, be able to install i3 or anything like that. But as long as I was happy with the image as it came to me, mm-hmm. it was fine. So I was able to install the pro- programs and stuff like that. Most of the stuff is from Flatpak. Mm-hmm. And then when you can get, like, BTOP or, um, you know, whatever, you just go to RPMS tree. And install it. The weird thing is, of course, having to reboot your computer in order to actually use that thing. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like I was on Windows. Um, but if you are... So if you anything you have to install from the terminal with RPM Monster, you have to reboot afterwards. Because so it would it affects, modify the image. Uh, right. Yeah. And it was okay. Basically what... <coughs> excuse me. Basically what you learn to do is have like an install software day. Ah, and you yeah. install all your software all at once and then you reboot your computer. Um, that's the way I just ended up doing it. Like, I kept a list of the things that I wanted to install and just did them all at once and mm-hmm. then rebooted my computer because it's, it's on a separate hard drive in this machine that I'm on now. And I have to get into deal with boot menus and stuff like that. It, it's just kind of a mess to get into there. Um, and it, it was a fine experience. The immutable part didn't really bother me as much as I thought it was going to do. I'm not sure... That I'm happy with it being considered the future. I'm not, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm aboard with that yet. I think it is very interesting what you were talking about. Like I can see tools that will allow you to build your own image in the future, where those be- things become more popular. Like say I want to build a i3 version of Silverblue, and uh, you can do that, and then it will do the ISO thing for you. I'm not sure <clears throat> that we'll ever get there for all the, the little pieces of linux that we all enjoy mm. right now so to be able to install like the random like, hyperland uh, window manager like have hi- you been in the
0: hyperland needs... comments as well
1: <laughs> i have and i'm like i i tried it and then it doesn't work very well in a virtual machine like right. it just it, it doesn't work very well in a virtual machine so like i can't do a video i like I know that all the problems I'm having with it are mm. because of this virtual machine. I can't do a video and crap on it because it doesn't work well on a virtual machine. And I'm not in a position right now where I can put it on a piece of, a piece of actual hardware. Yep, so yep. yeah, I have it all the time. Like, okay. Along with the Gen 2 and Linux from scratch comments, Hyperland mm. has been right up there. Um, installed Gentoo. not going to do it again. <laughs> Never, ever, ever will I touch Linux from scratch. Okay, I watched your some of your live streams. Never going to do that. I, you're a masochist. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, uh, so well, you just <laughs> <answered> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> like, like Like That's just... I mean, that, that's a whole other conversation. And uh, I think people... I mean, I can understand if you want to learn all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be really good. But if you're... I mean, you'd never want to do that with the expectation at the end of it. You're actually going to use it for sure. like a yeah. daily drive. Um, but I think that... A lot of people who leave those comments expect you to do that. Like some guy told me, to, could you live in Linux from scratch for a month? Like <laughs> it would take me a month to build it. I mean, I'm not Linux smart enough probably to do it. Like I'm sure it has really good documentation, but mm. my ADD would m- mix up numbers and stuff like that. I would follow things out of, you know, it would be a disaster is what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to say. Um, I have no clue what I was talking about earlier, so
0: um, <laughs> I just got distracted.
1: image tolling... Oh, the the um Something Kino White stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I like so I'm not sure if it's I'm ha- I'm on board with it being the future. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, like, oh, this is the way Linux is going, and every distro in the future is going to be immutable. And I think from a certain perspective, like if if you're going to put this on. Uh, workstations at an enterprise, it makes mm. a hell of a ton of sense. Yeah, like, yeah, you, like this person can never ever not only not only can I install this on every machine and have to be exactly the same. I can do updates to them and it can be continually be mm. exactly the same. And add on top of that, things tools like Toolbox will allow developers to get in there and basically create whatever environment they want. Do their basically it's WSL on Linux. You know, you mm. can install your own distros right there and it will just work really well. And that stuff all makes sense from a developer's point of view. Like, if you're Mm. a developer, even, this makes a lot of sense. But for the guys like me and you who like to tweak stuff, like to install random packages, uh, things that you might have to interact with the root file system, like on a daily basis, Mm. it's going to be guys like us that are going to have a big problem with that because we want to do those things, and because it's immutable, you can't. Mm. You know what I mean? Once you once you've installed it, that root file system is not your thing anymore. It's entirely the purview of the package manager and the distro itself, you know. And that's okay, but I don't know that it's necessarily for me.
0: When it comes to those corporate settings, I think that's another place where the idea of a custom image can definitely be super useful. So like, you might not want it to be like Silverblue Deploy, for example. You might want to have a, like whatever company tooling specifically installed on that, and that. I think is a great use case, and I, 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 I think there's definitely going to be a place for more of the, um, more of these immutable distros as a entry point to Linux. There's never going to be a point at all in history where Arch or Gentoo or anything like that is going to be a, an an immutable distro. It's just not what those projects are trying to do. There's gonna be more of them. And as flat packs gain a lot more software in their repos and and people sort of get more used to installing through a package manager like that, it's gonna be a more accepted way to try out Linux. I think anyone who anyone who who says it's gonna be every distro might be like they might be huffing a bit too much copium. Um but They're a little too into it. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit too into it. But,
3: it,
0: yeah, that that's pretty much where I stand. I think there's going to be a lot of distros that do, uh, do use a mutable system, but there's always going to be options for people like you and me who want something else. Like, that's the, one of the great things about FOSS. If you don't like what another project is doing, you can just not do it and make your own thing.
1: What would be cool, mm. and there might be tools like this now, but it'd be really neat to be able to have, like, let's say you wanted to install Arch Linux, and yes. you got everything set up the way you wanted to do, and then there was a tool like that you could download that says, "Make this immutable." Mm. You know, everything that I have right now, make it immutable. This is my ISO. This is the thing that I'm now going to have. Like, like you can still do the updates and stuff like that, and then, but you you are in control of everything. And, I mean, obviously, it'd be very, very complicated, and you know, it wouldn't be for everybody. But it would be very neat to be able to create not only just like a random image that does like says, has sway on it or something like that, but also has all of the stuff that you would normally have on your, in in your root file system. Mm -hmm. And and that's there, you know what I mean? And then you obviously you'd have to figure out how to manage that stuff, but it'd be interesting to have a tool like that, that would allow you to make your thing immutable and then be able to transfer that from one place to another and always make sure that it's exactly the way you wanted it. And uh, maybe that's a future that I could that I could get into where I could do all the tweaking and stuff like that. Mm. Like you were talking about earlier, where you could do all the tweaking you wanted beforehand, and then once you had the image exactly the way you wanted it, make that thing immutable, and now this is my ISO forever and ever, and you just have to do the updating instead.
0: Well, Valve is using os true for the Steam Deck. It's entirely possible to do. It's just... There's documentation out there. It's just like... It's very technical documentation, and the tooling isn't there to make it easy. That's the main concern. If there was just some, like, very simple tool that could, like, just generate... Then, actually, there might already be one that I don't know about, but I have not been able to find one. If there was just some very simple tool that could either take your existing install and generate an ISO, or, like, a generate an image from it, or there was a a tool that you could, like, had good documentation that you could go through and make this thing that you want to make, that would be cool. That would be very, very cool. And I wouldn't use it on my daily system. Like, that's just not what I want to do. I want to be able to modify it as much as I want to. But I would absolutely use that in the context of, you know, a capture PC or a secondary PC that's for... Maybe like a a NAS or a Media Center PC, something like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and make... For me, I'd probably put it on my laptops because mm. I don't need to do any. I need. To, I don't need to do any tweakings on my laptops. I just want those things to work all the time. Yeah. Um. That's probably where I would be ha- the happiest with an immutable system. Uh, on my main desktop, probably has been where I've been using that is on my main system. Yeah. And I, uh, part of my dislike of it is because it's been so buggy. But also, like I want to be able to install Hyperland. I want to be able to install i3. I want to be able to install you know, random window manager when I want to try it. And you can't really do that. I mean, you can get ways of doing it, but Mm. it's not going to ever be the experience you have now. And there's something to be said about Linux would not be where it's at without people, people's ability to tweak stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the reasons why we have so much FOSS is because people tweak something and like, Oh, I need this tool. So I'm going to go build it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that immutable stuff doesn't take away some of that ability because you need to uh, it feels like there' being too much stuff is being done for you at that point, and it's mm. it it kind of takes away some of the do it yourself but I mean, I can also see the other side of it where you know they want this to be as stable as possible for everyone, mm-hmm. and when you tweak and you know randomly mess around with stuff on your system, you break stuff sure sure. Um, we like breaking stuff, but, I mean, it makes it really hard for Fedora and the people in those forums to support you when you break stuff on your own and they don't really know what you, you broke. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's one of those things where, it's, uh, I have mixed feelings about it. I, it's definitely a good idea in some cases. I'm not sure that it's going to be, you know, for me in, in the near, near near future.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a. I I think it's always especially when you are doing the YouTube content sort of stuff, to step back and think about... And actually, this is true if not just for this, but also if you're like a, you know, hardcore, everything must be FOSS, everything must be Libre, that sort of person as well, to sort of step back and think about what a regular person using Linux is going to want from their system. Are they going to want hyper-customization? Is that something that... T- that the people like typically care about and for those people probably not and maybe silver blue or like a silver blue like system actually might be a good experience that's where I, that's why I said before that there's always going to be these options that exist that are not the immutable system because
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah but, like even if it's just like Testing software, or anything else like that. Immutable systems are just—they're not suitable for that. Like that's just—they are—they're just not.
1: I and mean, even if they became the main thing, mm. right? If if they were like the the like Ubuntu decided they were going to be immutable and arch and all this. Stuff, I mean, let, let's just say we're in that future. There's still going to be the anti-system D guys. Well, yeah, you're always going to have that. Yeah, you're going to have the guys who well, I don't like this. It's obviously controlled by evil corporation guy so i'm going to go create my own thing mm. uh and you know that's well, yeah. even if we were in that future where everything was immutable there'd still be the you know the the, the and you know if you have anti
0: system d and anti pulse audio you're going to have anti image that's always yeah. that's going to exist as well
1: got to love those guys you know <laughs> got to love those guys you know they're they're keeping the spirit alive <laughs>
0: I, I've had some people come through my Discord who are like hardcore anti-System D and I've never I've never actually heard a good argument against System D. It's usually... I, I don't want to categorize everyone in this camp but it's usually a dislike of Red Hat, a dislike of how much System D does, mm-hmm. and a concern of a System D's size. Those are the main concerns that I've heard. And I think they are they're valid concerns, they're just not concerns that I share or a lot of other people share.
1: Yeah. So, the thing is, with and D. It, let, let's just take those arguments and butcher them one by one. First of all, <laughs> uh, without Red Hat and Canonical and these corporations that a lot of these guys hate, Linux would not exist. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, it just, it, okay, maybe it would exist, but it would be so small, nobody would use it. Mm-hmm. Okay? almost every piece of software that brody and i have talked about on this podcast you know system system d wayland pulse audio pipeware all these things every single one of them was developed by a corporation uh you know every single one of you your computer would be very dysfunctional right now without corporate backing it it's, just always, it's always
0: fun to let people know how much work intel and google do on the kernel that's always always amusing
1: and Microsoft, like, and Microsoft, yeah, with a passion, and to find out, like, Microsoft's like the biggest uh, contributor to the the Linux Foundation, like, mm-hmm. it, it freaks people out, right? And, and understandably, like, um, we all know that if you're a corporation, your primary uh, thing is to make money. That's your goal—to make yeah. your shareholders money. And you can't—the ideals behind open source software and capitalism are fundamentally opposed because you're on one end you have to have all the interest in your, of your shareholders in open source you have to have all of your interests in the people who use your software and they're not necessarily always the same people so i can understand why people dislike canonical and red hat and stuff like. i understand it like you say but I also can be of the opinion that without them, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be where we're at. Like we wouldn't be, we'd be, we'd all be using windows right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's just, that's just the case. Or, you know, open Macintosh, or maybe the free BSD might still exist. You know, like open BSD.
0: Yeah. I think they they would still have a place, but well, they, they're a weird one because no one on the desktop cares. Okay. There's going to be some BSD guys here most people on the desktop don't care about FreeBSD or OpenBSD, but if we actually consider what's being done with those, they basically have control, like, sort of share control with Linux when it comes to cars, when it comes to consoles, when it comes to any sort of embedded system. There is a lot of FreeBSD out there. Like, the PS4 and PS5 are FreeBSD systems. They're, like, very modified, but still FreeBSD. uh, a lot Switch- of servers,
2: though. So,
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: the Nintendo yeah. Switch is a—it's based on the 3DS OS, which was based on Android and FreeBSD, and it's just like there is FreeBSD is a weird one. I, I've never understood, like, I've never understood why no one cares about FreeBSD on the desktop when it has this much usage in the corporate space.
1: I think it comes down to software availability because mm-hmm. a lot of,
0: like, like uh,
1: uh, for, BSD would have a lot more people caring about it if they were able to get, like, packs working on it.
3: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: mm-hmm. if, if you had pack available on BSD, now, they're not working on that at all. They're not interested in pack whatsoever, but they're working on app images.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I mean, that's interesting. I can't stand app images, but I know a lot of people who like them. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, BSD. I, I I'm. I think it's fantastic that BSD exists,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I think it it gives. It gives the people who can't stand the cor- how corporate Linux has become a place to go.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, because
1: BSD. Is, I mean, BSD has probably corporate sponsors, but they're not. It's it's not as blatant. Like you can tell that Linux is controlled by corporations because. Yeah. That, they're the primary users. Like that, they're the ones that use Linux by the laws. I mean, the, the desktop people don't, don't care. The thing, uh, just to go back to the systemd thing, like yeah, yeah. after after you get past Red Hat, mm-hmm. the other argument is always bloat. Yes, and I can't, <laughs> I cannot stand that argument. It is it's pedestrian okay it, it, you're not, you're not trying hard at this point okay if your argument against using something is because it's bloated that is not a real reason you need to tell me what the real reason is okay be- be- it's just okay does system d do too much define too much does it do things i mean for me and for you system d works fantastically mm-hmm. it's a really good large suite of software like and I That's think the, the important why...
0: thing. It's it's a suite of software. It's managed in a single repo, but it's not a single binary,
1: right? And there are a lot of distributions that don't. They pick and choose, right? They don't. I mean, a lot, a lot of distributions don't ship the entire, uh, op, uh system, system D stack. They mm-hmm. pull some of it out and use their own things. That happens all the time. Ubuntu does it. Arch does it. Yeah. I mean, it just happens, right? So you can't use the argument that is bloated because it's not one thing. It's it's a, it's like saying Linux is bloated. I mean, technically, I suppose you could make that argument. It has like 30 million lines of code, okay? If you want to look at it from that straight, sure, fine, whatever, is bloated. But from a perspective where the GNU and Linux stuff comes together and creates a functioning thing that you can use, it's not bloated because every single... Piece that it has is useful for something. Mm. Okay, and and it, it's you can only really consider something bloated if it has pieces that are uh, useless, that are you know not necessarily something that is functional for any reason. It's just mm. there for whatever. I mean, uh, even Linux has like Linux still has floppy disk drive support in some areas, right? It still exists and it's still maintained. But it's useful. I mean, maybe not for very many Do people. Do you know what
0: the oldest supported CPU by the Linux kernel is?
1: Couldn't name it, but I know it's uh, old.
0: It is the Intel 486SX.
1: So, there you go. Uh, but the, the thing is, like you... So, you can't just use the term bloat to, hmm. because you don't like bloated things. You have to... We're intelligent creatures, supposedly and you're going to have an argument against something bloat is not a reasonable or intelligent thing to say about anything because there has to be more to it like what is it about system d that these people don't actually like other than oh, it all does too much okay fine but these are the people who don't seem to understand that there's a difference between an init system and a suite of software like yes system d is an init system it's also a hundred other things under the same umbrella okay? It's just, that's the way it is. You So what these people want is just an init system, which is fine. Like, you can have just an init system if you want, but all the other things that SystemD does, you have to find something to do those things. So you're not actually solving the problem, you're just having an init system that is separate from the rest of the stuff. You have to Mm -hmm. still have something that does everything else that SystemD does. And basically, you're you're breaking the, you're, basically you're taking Facebook and breaking it up into little, little pieces mm-hmm. you're breaking System D up into little pieces and calling it other things you still have all the stuff that System D does just under different names mm-hmm. so you're not solving any problems I don't know those, I, I hate to have a portion of the community that I just can't really stand but mm-hmm. those people kind of get to me Like I, I understand wanting to have something different Mm-hmm. Like I'm all, I'm all for. It. I like uh run it in perfectly good in the systems. Uh they work really well. OpenRC is, is also very good. Um but your reason for existing has to be good. Mm-hmm. And uh it, and if your reason for existing is because bloat, it doesn't really get me on board with your argument. It just doesn't. That was a fun rant. I, yeah. I I, <laughs> I, 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 I I've refrained from making a video about it mm-hmm. because I know that it's going, it would piss a lot of people off. Cause mm-hmm. I know a lot of, I, they're not, there's, there are not a lot of people who hate this indie, but those that do are very, very vocal. Yeah. And it's just yeah. more trouble than it's worth to get into the that thing. So I'm, I'm much happier to do it here where they're going to be your problem <laughs> and not mine. <laughs>
0: <You're> well, <welcome. laughs> that implies that I read the comments on this channel.
1: Oh, ouch! Burn. So, <laughs> all you trolls out there, you're just trolls. Just, uh, just know you're you're being you're you're in an echo chamber.
0: It's fine. they will come over to the main channel and just be annoying there,
1: <laughs> uh, like usual. Or you the disc- or Discord what? Or
0: what yeah, all that. All what will happen is some will take this clip and post it on Reddit. Uh which happened <laughs> with a clip that from the uh, the Niccolo episode. Bro, we were talking about um submitting bug reports and then someone took the, the conversation out of context like brody hates submitting bug reports like shut the fuck up that's not what was being said
1: uh, uh, that's okay it's better than going viral for talking about uh ding dongs and zingers like DT <laughs> <he> did today <laughs> I- i'm pretty sure i was not the only linux youtuber that took a clip of him explaining what a ding dong and a, k- a zinger were and <laughs> flipped that part of it and shared it all over the place I'm like what He was talking about. I don't know if you guys have them in Australia, but they have these hostess little snack cakes. They're uh, little chocolate cupcakes with cream filling, filling, Uh and they have. Anyways, he did a video on it today. and He was comparing it. I I don't even remember. I don't even remember what the rest of the video was about because I got hung up on that part there. I I I love DT, but that that video was a little out there. Yes, he said that's how he came up with the idea for this video. Was talking about King uh, Ding Dongs and. and zingers. It was...
0: Linux is like a box of ding-dongs and zingers. What the fuck is... Uh, wait, it, he's fixed his, uh, he's fixed his um, white balance now, I see. Now he's not orange.
1: I know he's no longer an Oompa Loompa! <laughs>
0: he finally worked out where the, uh, where the white balance setting is on his camera. It took him like was, three he, months.
1: He was, having pro- he was having fun with Lutz. I think he discovered Lutz and decided... Ah, oh, that
0: explains it.
1: I, I think that that's what what happened there. Is he was playing around with it, and uh, I think we all go through that phase where we just kind of, oh, new feature, yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> I yeah, okay. What is? I might have to go watch this video afterwards. Oh,
1: pure, I mean, he spends like two minutes at the beginning just explaining what the cakes are. I would have swore that this was an April Fool's joke, but it's like August. <laughs> It was fantastic. Like, seriously, it was very good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, uh, like DT has run out of ideas for video. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. Oh, man.
0: Wait, are people actually taking this seriously? They're not the same. Each one is a different flagship edition with customs. Wait, they're actually people taking this video seriously.
1: They're in the comments debating the differences between the two different cakes, even though they're made (laughs) out of the same ingredients. (laughs) This video was just an
0: excuse to eat a ding-dong and a zinger, wasn't it?
1: He just wanted to go to the store and buy some. (laughs)
0: No, I I think this is where DT's channel... Like, I feel like... I feel like where DT's channel shines is when he's doing these sort of, like, not super serious videos. When it's like this, or it's when he's done the skits in the past. I think that's what makes DT's channel stand out. When it's just, like... Doing the same thing that every other Linux channel does, mm-hmm. like that's fine and all, but I think this is where, like, y- y- you can certainly put in a lot more creativity into what's going on.
1: Well, DT is the creator who can do that kind of stuff. If you were not, you or I did a like a, a trailer of people who are supposed to use Linux, it was all about like, I don't know, rednecks or something doing using Linux, like, it was like 30 seconds long, we'd get a couple thousand views. Mm. He got Almost 300,000 views on that trailer. Like, <laughs> he put a lot of effort into it, obviously, but he's the creator that can do that, right? Mm. I don't know that you and I would get away with it, you know? it's. Uh, I mean, oh, maybe you know, eventually.
0: Worth a shot, see what happens.
1: <laughs> for For me personally, I don't have that type of creativity or editing chops when it yeah. comes to... Like, uh, K- Kaden Live looks at me when when I try to do something complicated and crashes. I'm, <laughs> I i would not even try to do anything like that. It would be horrible. Mm. Um, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I I think we talked about Kaden Live and stuff in the last the last time I was here.
3: I don't know. I probably. Seem
1: to, it, it seems like, uh, I, that feels like a rant I've had with you before. We, we talked about how horrible video editors are on Linux. <laughs> I, I've
0: had this. Conversation with a bunch of different creators. I have no idea who I've talked to about it at this point. Because
1: well, c- it's a it's a pro it's a problem that we haven't solved yet. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. that's just like if I can't stand the idea of subscriptions, right? I like I will sure. not like. I mean, there are some things that I'll be happy to pay a subscription for, like Netflix. It makes sense. It's a service, mm-hmm. right? You, sure, sure. Something that is provided. But when it comes to an application, I really don't like the idea of paying for a subscription because I want to own that piece of software Mm. or at least quote-unquote own it, right? So when it comes to the Adobe Creative Cloud, first of all, entirely too expensive. $100 a month or whatever it is utterly boggles my mind for how much you pay for that, Mm. even if you are a professional and are going to earn that money back. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is is that Linux video editors are so bad, I would gladly pay Adobe money for a good video editor. Um. At one point, not too long ago, Caden Live was doing some weird things. Like they put a an update as Caden K- as Kaden Live does. Yes. And it broke. It broke everything. As it does. <laughs> and as it does. Like so. So I uninstall the. So I, I always install from the repos. And I was like, well, you know, screw this. I'm gonna uninstall it. I'm gonna install the flat pack and see if that's mm-hmm. any better. It wasn't any better. Um, <laughs> it it, it like, wasn't a bit, any better. So I was like, you know what? What, what do I do? Do I... I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a VM, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get a VM of Windows so I can actually edit this video. Mm-hmm. And that didn't last very long because I hate Windows mm-hmm. so much. I'd rather have my video editor crash all the time than actually use Windows. So Kaden Live is very lucky that I hate Windows so much. Otherwise, I'd have a permanent Windows VM on my computer just to edit my videos. And I know a lot of people do that. I know uh, Chris Titus Tech, he, he edits all of his stuff in, like, Mac or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I know um, Mudahar, he edits all of his stuff in a VM. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't edit it on on Linux. Um, like, you you name it, a lot of people just can't... I mean, I... I, I it's a KDE project. Like, th- that's definitely going to be the title of the episode. Where <laughs> it's a KDE project. So they've added too many features, and it always breaks. Like, Stop breaking the software. It's not... Please. From
0: my experience, Kdenlive is a lot better than it used to be. I haven't yes. had any major issues in a while. I do remember back, I want to say a year ago, where my render queue broke. And if I added more than one thing, it would crash. Or if I tried to make a title, it would crash. Or if I tried to change the profile, it would crash. <laughs> the one thing so, KDE does really well is it has great crash recovery. They know it's yeah. really buggy and it will crash all the time. But you almost fun,
1: always get fun, the work fun back. Fun that,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad for that. So there's two spots that are bugging me with KDE Live right now. And mm-hmm. they've been consistently problems for at least two years. One of them is when you move around a panel somewhere. Mm. So if you like, move the effects or composition yeah. thing somewhere else, uh, for whatever reason, crashes the thing. <clears throat> it doesn't do it all the time, but it's, uh, you, you move it or may, you know, you know, you kind of have to hover in the right place in order to get to the place where you want it to dock yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you take too long, it like crashes. Mm. It does not like that. I don't know why it, it seems like a stupid thing. It's not that big of a deal. Things, how you're not going to move around. Pan- once you get the panels where you want them, that's fine, but if you're going to uh, edit, if you're going to install Kiden Live on new distros, like when you do a distro review or something like that, and uh, y- you want to do the editing right there on that distro, th- I always want to tweak the layout so that it's you know usable. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, first of all, all I do not need every single one of those panels open by default. Just a few of them would be fine. I don't need undo history and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. Just they need to calm down on that stuff. So uh, that's one area. The other one is a is much worse it mm-hmm. went, so. When I do a video, uh, I say, um, and ah, and you know, and going through, and long periods of silence all the time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's the reason why I have to edit the videos. Otherwise, they'd be 40 minutes long, and they'd be horrible. Or more horrible than normal. (laughs) uh, So, when you edit those, when you do those jump cuts, like when you... stuff, And if you didn't happen to leave space between your words, like... Oftentimes I talk like this. I talk really fast, so there's you know um, there's not a lot of space in between words. So you cut. Sometimes you have to cut in the middle of a word or in the middle of a you know a very loud exhale or something. Yeah, yeah. And you have this really loud, annoying, freaking squeak that happens in between where, where you cut it. Mm-hmm. And it's been doing it for for me for ages, and there's no fix for it. it, it I know Tech Cut had the same problem. That's why he started using. Uh, DaVinci Resolve. Yeah, I think yeah. he's back on K-Live now. Um, but uh, I'm still having the problem and apparently the solution that the community has come up with, because apparently Caden lives not going to solve it, is to put fades on both ends of the cut. <laughs> so that the squeak just doesn't show up. Like it, It's the most hacky thing ever, but it works. Mm-hmm. It's so much better than having this loud pitch squeal every time you do a ju- jump cut. Mm. It's annoying. Um. But the thing is, as much as I bitch about Kdenlive, it's still miles and way better than any other video editor on Linux. It's just all the rest of them are so, yep. so bad. Yep, I'm and, and somebody was like, "Use Blender." Like, no, I don't know. I'm not going to use Blender. <laughs> It'd be like Lend- using Emacs. Blender. Well, when I um,
0: it, I've heard it better now, but when I used Blender, it was so painfully slow. Even the, the issue I had is like scrubbing through the timeline; it would lag just going through the timeline.
1: I don't understand the interest they have in having a video editor in that piece of software at all. Well,
0: Blender if- is a; it's a me, it's like a; it's a media creation suite. It's not just a 3D modeler. It's not just 3D yeah. animation. It's a; it's a whole. They used to have a game engine. Like, that, a while back, they had a game engine in there as well. Basically, what you're saying is,
1: is it's, like, system D. Okay. Uh, no except
0: one? that it's all one binary.
1: It is all? Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I did. Every time I've opened up Blender, mm-hmm. I've done it a couple times. like Because I wanted to do, like, an animation or something like that. And, and you Google how to do animations on Linux. And they say, oh, use Blender. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I open it up, and I, I stare at it dumbly for about 30 seconds and then i close it because i'm obviously <laughs> not intelligent enough to understand how it works um and like normally with that kind of software like you you know you, okay so i don't understand what works so i'm going to go to youtube mm-hmm. and i'm going to look up a tutorial and there are a lot of blender tutorials on youtube and some of them are actually really good um I, it doesn't matter how many tutorials i watch i'm still too much of an idiot to understand how it works um it's just there's too many buttons mm-hmm. it it, it I, there's too many words that I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's like, I I, I I can't get my head around it. And hmm. I, maybe if it was something that I was like, all right, I'm going to become a Hollywood animator or something, sure, you, sure. you know, in my, you know, when I grow up, um, then maybe I'd put some effort into it. But because I, I want to do this one thing, I want to get in and get out. I'm, I don't have the time to, to <laughs> broaden my vocabulary mm-hmm. to figure out how to use it. Um, so that yeah, that's my experience with Blender. Good lord.
0: I own I've done some basic animation in Blender as well. I only know what I need to know. Nothing else. that I I've no idea how to do anything else in that project, and I'm never going to
1: i it, it, it sounds cool to learn, like but so does like learning how to do some Lisp or learning how to code in Rust. You know, those yeah. things sound fun to learn, but I'm probably never gonna do it. So <laughs> One of those things, like yeah, sure, it sounds like f- a f- cool, fun project, but I got other shit to do. <laughs> mm.
0: Well, that's as good a place as any to end off the show. Um, let people know where they can find you.
1: Okay, so I'm on YouTube at youtube.com/linuxcast. I'm on Twitter, which is a thing people give me problems for. Like, I, I, I don't Why? care. I'm. Because it's Twitter. I don't know. Okay, people uh, have a thing against Twitter. Wait, I'm also a... on.
3: Ma-
1: I'm on Mastodon too. So if you mm-hmm. if you have a problem with Twitter, you can follow me over there. Um, I actually do stuff on Mastodon. I mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of people who do, but they. I mean, it's there. Yeah. Um. Also, also, I have a Discord server. Um. I have places. Those are those are the main places. I think. I've well, in way too many places.
0: I'll I'll leave them linked (laughs) down below anyway. If there's anything uh, you think about, you want me to add, I'll go and do that.
1: Just those three main ones will be fine.
0: Awesome. Uh, As for me, I've got my main channel that is Brody Robertson. I do Linux videos and other things there. Uh, I've got my gaming channel, Brody Robertson Plays. That, I think right now, I'm probably playing Slay the Spire and The World Ends With You.
1: Probably. I'm playing Dead Cells because of you right now. (laughs) Dead Cells is a great game. Uh, Not so great with a
3: trackball, but it's good.
1: Trackball? What? I'm using... I have a trackball that I use as my main mouse here. As a... I'll come huge and um, I'm much too lazy to plug in a mouse when I game because I don't game that often. Mm. So, uh, yeah, gaming with a trackball? Not as fun as you'd think it would be. Yeah,
0: I I didn't have high expectations in the first (laughs) place.
1: <laughs> um, no, it's an experience
0: <laughs> As for the podcast if you're listening to the audio version the video version is available on YouTube at Tech Over T if you're watching the video version the audio version is available anywhere you can find podcasts there's an RSS feed so chuck it in your favourite uh, podcast player and you'll get updates whenever they come out um, Yeah, got anything else you want to mention? Or...
1: Nope, but almost at twenty thousand subscribers, I'm really happy about that. That's cool.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah, you're, I'm looking at it right now. You just uh, you're at
1: nineteen
0: four. That's yeah, wow! Nuts. That's... I
1: think the last time I was on, I just almost quite got to five, I think. So I'm going. I'm, growing. Wait, I'm happy about that. Anyway. Was it that long ago? Ten months. Jeez.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: it's been... realize it's... it'd be that long. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I'll give you the last word. What do I say?
1: Um, Don't use windows. It's bad for your health.
2: Yeah. I'm out.